Hey, Chasers. I wanted to take a quick second to tell you about our friends at Supernova Legacy Scholarship. They are a nonprofit dedicated to providing scholarship funds for drama students at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland in Glasgow. Cask Chasers is proud to support Supernova Legacy, founded in 2020 in honor of our friend, actor, and incredible whiskey producer Sam Hewen, a celebrated guest that has been on our show. 100% of all donations made go directly into the scholarship fund and are awarded to young, aspiring drama students. Every $5 donation earns you one raffle ticket to be used towards any of the wonderful raffle prizes available on their website. Check out the website for more information, including donation link, raffle prizes, and merchandise for sale at their shop at supernovalegacy.com. You can also find them at Supernova Legacy Scholarship on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Together, we thank you for your support of the performing arts. Now settle in and enjoy this week's episode. Hey gang, my name's Ian Like. I'm a New Orleans bartender, doing a lot of uh, private event bartending, catering with Blue Book Bar Peeps. Pour yourself a uh, dram, be it alcoholic or not, and let's settle in. This is the Cash Chasers Podcast. chasers how's it going so i don't know if you heard or not but the cast chasers are going are going dry this month i repeat we're going dry cast chasers are dry sometimes it's important it's important to go dry it's important to limit yourself you know we are in the industry or in the like or in the love of something that's beautiful that's whiskey that's spirits that's cocktails you know be it whatever beverage you consume, but we have to remind ourselves it can be dangerous and we have to be safe. We have to take care of ourselves. And I'm not talking about getting too drunk. I'm talking about don't let it run your life. Don't let it be become a part of, you know, your identity. You want to make sure you're being safe. And um, you may know somebody in your life that you care about and you love that struggles. We want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're being smart, you're being safe, and you're putting yourself in a good place positive mentality when you're tackling you know this this uh this this world of uh of toxins which is what alcohol is it's poison but it's delicious poison so if you're like me you think okay bobby so we're not gonna drink we're gonna have a dry month we're gonna prove to ourselves that we can do it now what so we sit around and ginger ale and iced tea the answer is sometimes but there are still cocktail options with no alcohol, and I know what you're thinking. You're full of shit. I hate you. Shut up. No. I'm telling you right now, there are some delicious cocktails out there without alcohol with all the same flavors and amazement and the cool glasses that you love. I'm here, as you just heard, with my friend Ian Like. We met in um, in um, New Orleans. New Orleans. Am I saying that right? New Orleans. I, I don't know what letter you no. leave out. Yeah, Nolans? Nola, Nolans, New Orleans. That's the uh, the one myth that's kind of been busted for me as I uh, moved here was that there's a, the one specific way to uh, say New Orleans. Now, if you uh, tell me how, uh, ask me how to pronounce Louisville, on the other hand, we'll have a whole Oh, that's a about... whole different Louisville. 
Whoa. It's mostly you take every compliment and you just drop them. <laughs> New Orleans is a great town, man. And uh, so if you heard one of our previous re- uh, episodes, we, we chatted with Desi, um, Ian's partner in life, partner in crime. And Ian, is uh, like Desi, is also in this industry. And unlike Desi, we're going to make some stuff that doesn't have alcohol, but still going to be delicious. <laughs> and I, can I tell you that, you know, Ian, I... We as shopping for some of these ingredients, they're available, easily available. Mm-hmm. I found I've never been down some of those aisles. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's interesting to see how much those aisles have grown since the um, pandemic and since uh, people went to the uh, bartending at home life. Um, because as uh, a lot of people found out, as you were saying earlier, you know, it can be dangerous if uh, we are left to our own devices, sitting around on the couch with nothing but a big supply of uh, bottles to keep us going. Um, so it's really cool to see that uh, non-alcoholic spirits and uh, alternative options as non-alcoholic beers and wines and ciders are all um definitely on the rise yeah i love it i absolutely love it and these options are coming up on menus and and it's just a different way to drink but um so i went out and got some most of um the cool ingredients you uh you suggested and i think we're doing three two two we're doing two I repeat, two uh, non-alcoholic cocktails today, and I'm really looking forward to it because the flavors are, the flavors are, to me, I recognize them. I'm curious on how they're going to play without that bite of a of an alcohol. And the thing, I, what I mean is, all the ingredients I'm I've seen before, I've never seen them put together like this. So it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. So anyway, I'm very very excited. So first off, Ian. So tell us a little bit about you. Like, what? Where did you? Where do you come from? What, what your bar scenes, life? Your what, what brought you up? Your love for cocktails. <laughs> Just paint that picture so we know who we're talking to, and so we can believe you because you know we want to believe you. Yeah, the the, uh, the trustability of bald guys is uh, <laughs> few and far between nowadays. My favorite bald but, guy uh, thus far, if I'm being honest. So. <laughs> I'll be sure to let Howie Mandel know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was uh, born and raised in Kentucky. I uh, grew up in northern Kentucky near Cincinnati. Um and at the time when I was growing up, there wasn't as many like micro distilleries or the uh, crazy explosion of uh, spirits as there is nowadays. Um, my uh, parents were both um, ambassadors for Maker's Mark for a very long time. So I still had the cool opportunity growing up to occasionally go down to Louisville, Lexington, uh, go into a couple of distilleries and taste a little bit of the, uh, the bourbon mash, but wasn't able to taste the final product, uh, legally, um, for a few years after that. But, uh, I, uh, got my career bartending started at Red Robin, um, starting there at 19 years old. I very quickly became friends with all the, uh, bartenders and the older servers. And on our nights off, I would just hang out at the apartment and drink with them. They'd throw a poor spout on something and, have me make drinks for them all night so that uh, when I turned 21 exactly, I was able to walk into uh, work and 
take the bartending test for Red Robin and uh, get me right behind the bar as fast as they could because they uh, enjoyed having me as a server and they said, all right, let's get them pouring some drinks. That's awesome. Um, can I can I say after, something really quick? Because yeah, it's going to drive me insane if I don't. Um, yum. I just had, I, I, yeah. you can't, that you kept saying Red Robin and if you don't say yum, <laughs> you, uh, I don't know. The whole world stops. I, I like the OCD in me was like, please God say yum. Um, Red Robin, yum. This they are not a sponsor. Anyway, so the cool start. So in a humbling start. It's, it's a it's always a uh, battle between the OCD to say yum and the PTSD of uh, being a dirty bird veteran. <laughs> that uh... <laughs> I'm glad I could rehash that for you. <laughs> um. But it's cool. It was a great way. Like I, I think definitely um, people that are starting in the bar industry, the uh, corporate world gives you a lot of the building blocks that you can take with you into any other restaurant and learn more about um, the bar world as you go from corporate restaurant to family restaurant to dive bars, speed bars, craft bars. Yeah, the, the building blocks are definitely there. And uh took me out to California where I helped out a um, bar go through a uh, remodel from a dark dive bar that had a really good collection of craft beers to a uh, 30 tap craft beer focused uh, bar and restaurant with over 300 different whiskeys and a craft cocktail focus. So took myself from the uh, the corporate bartending world to the craft world in a couple of big jumps not long after leaving the home state for the first time and getting my feet planted in the Bay Area. Wow, that's a <clears throat> that is a journey and I, I love I love talking to bartenders about where they come from because chefs and bartenders have a lot in common. They they tend to come from I mean really the streets. It's it's something you can't you can't, it's not like becoming a doctor where you're like, I came up in a doctor family and I went to school to be a doctor. If you're a chef or a cocktail or, a, you know, you work behind a bar or any of those, any of those environments, you really had to fight your way up and, and there's a lot of appreciation. And I think the other side of the bar, you know, we expect these delicious things to come to us. You got to remember the person on the other side, the, to, the ability to make that drink for you didn't come lightly it was uh it was a it was task at hand and I've, I've been to some red robins there's some rowdy places sometimes depending <laughs> on um but anyway so let's uh that's cool man and um i myself am a red robin fan so i appreciate that i do happen to think their burgers are absolutely incredible um but um i love the more i love more the fact of your bartending up uh, upbringing and what you're where you're at now you're good people um, which means good drinks. So that being said, what is on our menu first? What are we making first? I have some stuff in front of me that's been set up. So I assume we're making something reddish pink. Yeah, we're going to be doing uh, two different cocktails. Um, you know, a big part of the uh, drinking culture is um, uh, escapism. It's a big reason that Polynesian tiki uh, cocktails have gotten such the revival that they've had in the past 20 years um, with all deference to uh, the culture conversations that are happening behind uh, tiki itself. Um, 
but uh, I wanted to kind of bring that uh, same uh, mentality of, you know, when you're making a mocktail for yourself that, you know, you're attempting to transport yourself someplace uh, other than where you're at now. I decked out myself in a little bit of tiki garb. Um, and I uh, wanted to do one cocktail that's going to be um, tropical, but with like a little bit of a texture um, mm. difference. And the other one is supposed to take us from uh, our couches in America out to the uh, banks of a canal in Italy and mm. uh, make a thrift rip. I love that. Um, I don't want to get up from my couch so if a drink can bring me there i think we're winning already so i'm a big mai tai tiki uh when i was in the military i was stationed in hawaii and i've been in when you're a marine you spend most of your time in island countries because we're amphibious so those types of cocktails speak a lot to me and then i have a fan my family's in biloxi and in mississippi and corpus christi and that whole area and so beach drinks yeah man beach drinks are kind of what my uncle is you know 259 pounds of pure man but he loves himself an umbrella he he'll put a if it does if he gets a drink it needs to be colorful and needs an umbrella in it and i respect that oh, absolutely yeah man yeah man so no i'm looking forward to this one so all right so i have my i'm assuming shaken or no this one's stirred so i have my cocktail this one's stirred yeah cool so i have my vessel which is and i have my dope uh, spoon that i ordered for myself because i want to be real boy. yeah man that's the thing with filling the bar kit. It's one piece at a time. One it's, piece. Uh, yeah. If you uh, if you want to take it places, I recommend getting the bar bag first so that you can get the pieces to fit the bar bag. But other than that, it's just bar bag. One piece after the other. I didn't, know, I didn't know it was a bag. Oh my oh, god! Absolutely. Oh, Christmas here we come. Dana's tired of there buying me go. junk, but uh, this is this is my <laughs> life now. All right, well, so I got my spoon. This is a bag to put all your junk in. So nice. it's consolidation. Nice. Uh, got your spoon. Um, with the two cocktails we're doing today, I wanted to do one that kind of uh, focuses on ingredients you can make yourself and pick up from uh, local stores. That's what this first one is. And the second one is the uh, the spritz is where we'll get into uh, alcohol or the non-alcoholic spirits that are being made in the market. So mm -hmm. this first one is the homegrown tiki uh, I think I called this Palm Beach. Palm Beach. I've got a little old-fashioned glass, and somewhere around me I put um, ice cubes. So I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know there was such a thing as an aloe drink. I just assumed it was a plant for burn sometimes. So I'm already... I got well, one. you know, when we... When we take a, a sip of overproof uh, bourbon, what do we say? You know, ooh, that's got a good burn. So yeah. now we're just using the aloe drink to treat our inside burn. Oh, look at you painting a picture. Yes. All right, all right. I see what you're putting so, down. So a little fun basic cocktail theory is to start with your uh, cheapest ingredients and kind of work your way up, your smallest volume, so that if you make a mistake going through it, you know, you're not thrown away. Mm. Um two ounces of the uh, hard-earned and hard-priced spirit that you've uh, been making the drink with. So starting off, I'm going to do a little bar spoon of a pineapple syrup that I made. 
I made this by taking a few pineapple rings, putting them on a pan on the stovetop, caramelizing each side till it was like a nice, toasty, golden brown, and then threw it into a uh, blender with um, a brown sugar simple syrup. Just two parts brown sugar, one part water, threw the pineapple in there, and ran it all through the strainer. Um, beautiful, nice, thick, viscous syrup that we're only going to need about a bar spoon of. And I had some leftover lemons, limes, and oranges from an event I did this weekend. So what I did was I ended up peeling uh, about two of each of the fruits, putting them in a uh, Ziploc overnight with uh, plain white sugar weighed out to be about the same amount of peels. And what I'm left with is an oleo, oleo saccharum, I believe is the, the full term, but the sugar draws out all the essential oils of those citruses and um, seeps into the sugar and creates this nice little thick syrup that is super aromatic. And while this is a tropical drink, we just want to give it that nice little back end of citrus. So we take our oleo and we're going to do about a half ounce of that. So the oleo was something interesting because I've never made it, I've never seen it before. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make it. Well, at first I went to my local liquor stores, a few of them, and was looking for it. And I would say, I need a citrus oleo. And everybody was like, what the hell are you talking about? So I left abruptly <laughs> and Googled it. And it's so easy to make. It is, I want everyone to listen, it is an overnight situation. So you can't throw this together in the moment. You got you to gotta really kind of put it together overnight. But it's worth it because, like Ian said, the smell we don't have smell of vision yet um but the smell is absolutely we're incredible yeah we're getting well elon's on it so we'll get there we'll figure it out <laughs> um but anyway so yeah so i've got that so it's really cool google it if you if you have trouble or hit us up um at cash chases and we'll walk you through it but it may be an ingredient that a lot of people haven't seen before but it's cool go on sorry and i just wanted to give that little piece oh, of info yeah, yeah. um Jeffrey Morgenthal and um, some other industries in the, or some other leaders in the industry have been, um, you know, pushing a idea of less waste in the uh, bar scene itself. So oleosaccharums, um, I remember hearing about it for the first time in like 2017, something like that. Um, and it was, a you know, hey, if you're going to be uh, juicing all the, uh, fresh citrus for this new uh, speakeasy cocktail movement that's going on. Why don't you take an extra step, peel your citrus first, and you can throw it in the sugar, you can throw it in the stock. Um, but throwing in that sugar and making the oleo is just a fantastic thing that you can add to even like a classic old fashioned to mm. add a real citrus element to it. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. All right, so my oleo, oleo is in my cup, so uh, or my uh, my my fancy glass, which I went out and bought a uh, really cool uh, mixing glass, um, but you don't have to do that, Chasers. You can you can put it in whatever old mug you have laying around the house. I've been there, so don't worry about getting fancy. But um, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, my first time uh, visiting New Orleans was um, about four days before Hurricane Ida hit. And uh, Desi and I made the decision to stay in town when we knew it was coming and uh, ride it out. So one, see what the reality of living with a hurricane is. 
and two would be go to our first hurricane party. And uh, I was sitting there stirring up uh, Sazerac cocktails in, I think, uh, her uh, uh, flower vase, very nicely washed out. Uh, (laughs) But you can make a a shaker and you can make Uh, a spray glass out of a lot of things around there. Two, two things I want to take away from that are you can use a flower vase as a or vase because my English is ruined um, as a mixer and hurricane parties are a thing that exists for us on the East Coast we don't know we don't know anything about that so that's uh she brought out a vase in the back uh, dump those flowers let's get that cooking so uh, I love that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she she brought the vase so that we yeah. can make ourselves a yeah, big old picture of this non-alcoholic script. That's my favorite thing that's happened so far. All right, so my oleo is in my cup, in my glass, and already smells amazing. All right, we got the pineapple, we got the citrus. Um, so the two things that I wanted to do for this cocktail is a focus on the homemade ingredients, and uh, b I wanted this cocktail or this excuse me mocktail to have a. Uh, a nice texture to it. I wanted it to be something that, you know, if you're not sitting there looking for the complexities of a uh, rum or whiskey going into this cocktail, what other kind of complexities can we focus on? So today we're going to do some fresh coconut water and uh, fresh aloe juice um, to make a really silky smooth cocktail mm. that is accentuated by those notes of pineapple and citrus that we started with. So coconut water, we're going to do two ounces of that. And to make it super simple, we're going to do the same amount of the aloe. Personally, I prefer getting the aloe with the pulp. You get these nice little um, Starburst texture surprises uh, on each sip. We take it, put that right in there. All in all, it's a nice little four-ingredient cocktail. You get to have some fun kind of experimenting around with making a syrup, making an oleo. Um, but then the rest of the stuff, you could go down to your local, uh, supermarket. You can go to one of the ethnic Indian markets. They usually have an awesome variety of like coconut and aloe drinks. Put a little bit of ice in there and we're going to give this a nice little gentle stir because it still gets the dilution and, uh, incorporating of the ingredients together. Yeah, we went to our local farmer's market, and that's where we got most of this stuff. And by we, I mean my wife Dana did, because I'm worthless at doing anything like that. Oh, the color is really cool. So my pineapple mixture, um, I made it exactly like you just said. I I started torching it. I have a little cigar torch. So I was going to be cool... It, you know what? It it, it actually I, I got to the point where I was like, screw this, and I threw them in the pan and let the pan do the work. So uh, I have like four that I torched like I was on Master Chef or something, and then I just put them put the rest. And I don't think there was a difference. So um, sometimes you know, fancy's nice, but right. Oh, sometimes right. fancy's nice, but uh, when you're yeah. talking about. You say you're getting ready for, you know, doing a little at-home mocktail party for, you know, eight, ten of your friends. The the individual torch gets a little bit, like, repetitive after time. <laughs> um, yeah, I ended up going uh, to um, Whole Foods and picking up a can of pineapple because I'm a, uh, all the fresh pineapples they had were so incredibly green i knew that there was no way that i could be able oh to i use can yeah i use can yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 
it, it's absolutely um, essential for like consistency to just grab the can and be able to go. But I, uh, Ian, when I went, I put a straw hat on and like overalls, um, and I actually went with like a wicker <laughs> basket to the dole aisle, and I picked each can up, and I like. I squeezed it for firmness and smelled it and put it. So you can still have the, the you can still mentally put your, it, it, we're pretending to drink alcohol here. So you can pretend to pick the fruit too. So it's just fine. So I did the whole thing. I, I really made the people at Acme concerned. Um, but you can do as that. A, as, yeah. long as, you, as long as you wash off the cans when you get home so that, you know, any of the bacteria from out in the fields is yeah. Uh, gone. Yeah. You're, you're set. Yeah. Um, I did swing by my um, uh, fresh produce section, and when I was looking at the pineapples, found a few fronds that had fallen off the pineapples. So I stole those as our little garnish for today, slip it right in there behind the uh, cocktail. And before you know it, you're sitting Look on a beach that. somewhere. That's beautiful. Oh, my God. Do me a favor. Snap a pic. Can, uh, can Desi and her photography skills, can we get her in there and take a picture of yours? And we'll, uh, they're, they're requesting your photography. Present. Yeah. Look at how beautiful that is. So mine, um, I don't know if you'll appreciate this or not, but is in a Harry Potter glass, uh, Harry Potter, um, rocks glass I got from, um, universal, um, nice. which makes it taste uh, a little better. Yeah. It's got the, uh, what's that called, Dana? The Deathly Hollows, the, you know, the wand and the whole symbol, the triangle and, the, the Deathly Hollows Triangle. Yeah. Very, the, yeah. Very Freemason that's of them. One of my, uh, that's one of my tattoos. So it, that's uh, dope. Uh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, near and dear to my heart. There it is. Yeah, what's well, in the glass? Well, this, so the taste is important. First off, the smell, I mean, I, I still know, I'm still nosing because that's what I'm used to. It's very fruit, tropical, tiki whatever on the nose it smells like you're going right into some tiki you know lounge whatever um cocktail that you may have ordered but then i drank it it is so crisp and refreshing and oh and the little yeah my wife's saying the little chunks of stuff in there it, it's funny because that mouth texture it, it kind of gives you the same i don't know it adds a little it's not just like drinking you know, something out of a, like a Lipton bottle. I mean, there's more to it. Right. Mouthfeel, I guess is what I'm trying to say here, but it, it's that. So I really highly recommend the pulp in your, um, we have the coconut pulp too in our water. Ooh, and then, yeah, go. we stepped it up a little bit and then the aloe pulp. So double make pulping, man. double pulp, double pulp, hashtag double pulp. Um, but I, it sounds like a German techno band. <laughs> double pulp i don't know why i said that anyway um but i would definitely get the pulp because of the mouthfeel man that is freaking delicious it's meant to be like a uh, a nice little refreshing sipper um but you know when we put that uh that caramelized coconut and brown sugar in there adds uh, a lot of like back end of uh, vanilla and just like the touch of depth to kind of elevate it out of just a purely refreshing um, drink or otherwise it'd go down like Gatorade on a hot day. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's super good. Not too, I think I did everything the right way. So, and listen, if, if I can make this, you can make this because I'm a moron, <laughs> but I mean, I, I really just, 
I want you to know how easy it is. I think some people get concerned because it's like, I got to go out and buy all these ingredients. First off, it's worth it. But really, it was so easy to make. And I kind of winged it a little bit when like doing the pineapple, throw it in the pan, threw some the brown sugar. I kind of did some of my own little tweaks, but it was so easy to make and quick. And now I have the, once I made it, the ingredients are there. I don't have to go make it again. So I can just throw this together in right. time. But um, no, that's dope, dude. That one's good. I like that a lot. Yeah. And if you keep the oleo and the uh, syrup refrigerated after you're done with it, you know, shelf life on that is, you know, one to three weeks easy yeah. before you, know, you just kind of start washing for signs of uh, re-fermentation and the attempt of a mocktail to bring itself back to the alcoholic world. But And if you're not having a dry month, you can let it keep going and, you know, maybe... Uh, some prison wine happens. I don't know. Um, what are we next? What are we? Dana's setting up my bar for the. I got okay. Oh, we got a wine glass. Oh yeah. Here's the red drink I talked about beforehand. Yes, the red drink. We are going moving on to the spritz now. I uh, wanted to keep it uh, nice and simple today. You know that we'd have be able to make you know some refreshing drinks that are quick to assemble. Yes, the oleo had an overnight process, but for this one, we're not going to shake. We're not going to stir. We're just going to build it in glass. Nice. Now, building is a perfectly acceptable cocktail technique. Okay. So okay. We are going to take our wine glass, and we're going to fill her up mostly with ice. I've got a little bit of water here, but don't hate. Hydrate. Yeah, yeah. All right. Icing up my now wine. So glass. you're using, so we're using like a traditional, like a red wine glass here. Like, I, I don't know what kind of glass I have, but it's like a wine glass, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got, I've got a little bit larger volume red wine glass myself. Uh, I think uh, Desi hand painted this back when she was in high school or twenties and sitting around with a lot of paints kind of days. But um, we've got the, uh, the glass is ready to go. We've got the ice in there. Uh, the first thing that we're going to reach for, uh, building from uh, smallest ingredient up, uh, is actually um, um, the Martini Rosa Vibrante. It's a uh, non-alcoholic uh, aperitivo. Now, so I was doing a little, little bit of research into this. You got a question? No, I think you're going to answer it. I think I'm being a bad host. Keep going. I did a little bit of research into this because I was curious um, what makes it not alcoholic. And uh, for this particular aperitivo, they do start with the uh, same process of making an aperitivo with uh, select grapes like wine, adding in the uh, herbs, the botanicals. And uh, as their website says, they gently release the alcohol from it. So my guess is that they're doing a low and slow, um, not quite a boil, but high enough mm. for the alcohol to evaporate and uh, leave behind all of the uh, water by not bringing it to that full boiling point of the water. So can you define, so let's start bigger picture real quick. Yeah. What is this? What is this based on? Because, you know, we, you may have heard of Aperol or, you know, Aperix or Aper or something. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? And then, because some people might not, they, they've probably drank it a thousand times. They have no idea. And then this is the non-alcoholic version of that thing. So can we talk a little bit about what that aperitif is? Am I saying that? Is it aperitif? Yeah. yeah. 
aperitivo. Apertiv, there's a uh, couple different ways you can say it, um, but the uh, the core of it is the app. The uh, aperitif, aperitivo is a appetizer. It is uh, what you would uh, drink traditionally before meal to kind of get your uh, stomach saliva or your your saliva, your stomach acid, all getting ready to intake more food, more drink. It's meant to be at the beginning of a meal and open it up. And it's based off of a Italian uh, spirit called uh, Aperol. There's another one called Campari. Mm. Um, the local Sazerac company um, has the page straw bitters that they use for Sazerac. And they uh, made a Apertivo bottle that is very similar to the bitters flavors, but in the full format um uh lower proof size so that you can um make yourself a spritz that's a little bit more accessible yeah um and the cool thing about aperitivos is they are low proof um when we talk about like um no proof cocktails and uh spirits um a big part of like European drinking culture is low and slow. They uh, drink with breakfast and lunch and dinner, but they're drinking stuff that is, you know, a 11% vermouth or aperitivo mixed with soda water and just a little bit to kind of get you going, get you through the day. Um, aperitivo being uh, Italian and French and origins is a very big part of like the European drinking culture. Yeah, we have, we have these very small at my in-laws house and, you know, my wife's Italian and her family, you know, obviously is all Italian. And, um, so they have these little aperitif glasses. They're like mini wine glasses. And her, mm-hmm. her father would literally, yeah, her eat back in the day, I guess they would just pour a little splash of something in one of those glasses it, it's to me it's and this is one reason we're doing a dry month um it's annoying to have alcohol in a glass so small so uh, but i guess i guess if you're pre-mealing and afterwards and you're drinking all day maybe that's what you should do so fair enough cool so all right so i got my reds i got my pinks i got my special i got some champagne stuff here um funnily called liars champagne which is fun because i don't know if that's on purpose but it's not champagne. They're lying. Yep. So, um, so how do I mix it? I got, I got thirsty people here. You know how lucky I am. Oh, you are so lucky. I know. Being married to you, that's number one, right? That's no joke, babe. It's no joke. And, and I'm going to tell you why. Aside from being married to you, my two favorite independent bottlers mm-hmm. happen to be in the Imprex portfolio. What luck. I know. We've got Adelphi Selections. Yeah. Bottler started in 1993, I want to say. Okay. And Single Malts of Scotland. Yeah. Who those casts are selected by my good friend, Ollie Chilton. I know Ollie. You know Ollie. Yeah. Yeah, he came to drink with us. Uh-huh. So back to the idea of drinking off the beaten path. Oh, this again. If you are looking for a wide array of flavors, going after independently bottled whiskey is where it's at because their idea is never to repeat a flavor. Never. Never to repeat a flavor. Well. Always bottle something new, always something different, and more importantly, always something delicious mm-hmm. and something that won't steal all of your wallet. Okay. That's kind I of like important. that part. You like that. I knew you'd yeah. like that part. So listen, Haida, I have to tell you, and I have to tell our listeners here, Impex Beverages. Yes. Proud sponsor of Cast Chasers Podcast. 
Excellent. All right, so we're going to start with the uh, Apertivo, and we're going to jigger out two ounces of that straight over the ice. And then we're going to open up the Champs. I uh, got another brand called Rondell um, that is a non-alcoholic champagne meant to be reminiscent of Spanish Cava. Uh, Non-alcoholic, yep. Okay. Yeah. So for uh, anyone that's ever scared of taking the cork off a champagne bottle, because I know that's uh, uh, one of the early things uh, in the restaurant industry, having to coach a new server or a new bartender through is everyone's scared of taking it off. I'm and scared. I'm 41 years old and I'm terrified. Scared. Yeah. It's like a loaded well, we're gun. Together. I got you, buddy. Thanks, man. You know, we have so we have in this country we're so worried about firearms in the households and that's that's fine, but nobody's talking enough about champagne bottles. You ever hit by a champagne cork? It's a problem. I have. I, I, I'm a victim. I've, I've shot a few off that have hit the uh, ceiling of high vaulted ceiling I'm bars. A vi- I'm a victim. I've been smacked. Tile, so. I've been smacked right in the right in the body with one of those things. And although it's very mild and it's not that big of a deal, I'm making it one. So I just want everybody to hear me and, you know, maybe send me some letters and, you know, make sure I'm doing okay. I'm fine though. Yeah. So anyway, you always got to be aware of where you're pointing it. Yeah. Uh, one of the early yeah. uh, servers. I was, well, uh, what I'm getting at is I went with the canned version of champagne, non-alcoholic champagne <laughs> versus your corked sexy version because i'm not ready yet still have a little trauma so let's move on yeah well that's why we're in the modern world because we now have all the canned wines yeah Uh, yeah. thank god so once you've got the uh, little tab over here on the side of the cage out you know give it five to six twists without taking it fully off because you end up using this cage as the tool to help uh get the cork out of there in a safe manner you know wrap your fingers with or without a towel or something um, and give it a little wiggle back and forth, and you'll find that that cage actually helps you get a grip on the uh, cork itself. A lot of people just take the cage right off, and that's a lot of times when the cork comes flying out. But when you've got the cage on there, you've got control to slowly work it out. Look at that. I, the guy that took it off with me that hit me with it was aiming at me. So I think now that I'm now in hindsight, I'm thinking it was on purpose versus an accident, but that was very, again, I'm using canned champagne. So, you know, don't judge me, but that was a, that was the most attractive can- champagne opening I've ever seen. Non-alcoholic champagne. And I don't think you can call it non-alcoholic champagne unless it comes from the region of champagne. So, so we call champagne, it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would say that it's still legally protected, even if it's yeah. uh, the non alcoholic version. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, right. It's great until it. Uh, so non alcoholic uh, sparkling. The alcohol. Okay. I just want to make sure we're not offending any, any cultures or, or locales. All right, cool. So I got my uh, I got my canned champagne in my glass. Canned champagne. I got the uh, rose non alcoholic. And we're just going to split the difference. So if you got. Room in your glass, fill it up about halfway. And we're splitting that difference with, I also brought in a little can of uh, sparkling grapefruit water. I was originally looking for Italian soda to give this a nice little bit of a brightening up, but uh, more than anything, be it sparkling water or uh, the Italian soda with a little bit of sugar to it, is I wanted something that has a bitter quality. You know, bitter stuff is something that when we're young, um, our 
biological instinct is to avoid bitter because that's how we survived as humanity for years out in the wild eating random berries if something was bitter most likely it was not safe for us to consume in the manner that it was now that we are a more modern society and we have these tools that are able to break down the components of these different berries that we're eating it's like oh you know what if we remove the seeds from this berry the um fruit itself is a little bit bitter but it's able you're able to eat it without any carcinogenics or um i know what you're talking about you know what i'm talking about yes yeah, yeah. almonds i think uh, are the same way or some kind of nut has the same thing going on right um so as we get a little bit older and we now have, you know, gone through the period of life where we've enjoyed a lot of the sweet and sour things, um, the palate is able to distinguish bitter flavors a little bit more uh, in depth. And uh, I know that if I had to take a break from drinking that um, with my love of Amaro's and Amari's and Aperitivo's, that that bitter quality is something that I would definitely miss. So I wanted to bring that back in this uh mocktail so that so, is that is the most boozy that we've had of the two so far i already sipped i jumped ahead i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> he's like bobby i didn't say pour it yet oh and he, that's why oh, you yeah i screwed up you did the whole thing and it was cool and all right i'm sorry <laughs> go on explain, your, explain yourself desi's also being a good producer in the background it was arsenic was the uh, arsenic Cyanide. Cyanide. It's, it's cyanide in the peach pits that uh, we're avoiding. I don't know whether cyanide's bitter or not, but you know. You can only find uh, out once. Um, you can only find out once. <laughs> so uh, the nice thing with this is we've got a kind of layering of flavors here. You've got the uh, aperitivo kind of sunk to the bottom. We've got our wine in the middle and the grapefruit on top. I walked out to my garden and plucked a few nasturtums to throw it in there and make it look pretty. Look at that. We're going to need another photo of that one. I don't have those. You can definitely grab another photo. Yeah, I don't have those flowers, so we're not getting that. But um... From this point, it's kind of your preference on whether you wanted to uh, stir it all up and have the same color throughout. I kind of like the ombre uh, gradient look. So, and I find that when you're sipping on something, A, I prefer no straws, and B, when you're doing no straws, every sip gently mixes the, uh, the mocktail together and kind of evolves the flavor as you uh, are sipping throughout the whole thing. That's, and that's super, super good. I, I, for me, the bitters component is probably my favorite part because it gives it a little... It, the first one was really good, but it was really sweet. This one has that sweetness, but then it's got that little, I don't know, the, the bitter, the hang, where it kind of just sits in your mouth like a, like a piece of, like a rock in a good way. You know, mm-hmm. you, you ever suck on a rock? Raise your hand. No one? Okay. Four oh, yeah. people? Yeah. I was in Boy Scouts. Yeah. Does, who who I, doesn't? So the difference between clay and limestone. Let's do this. There we go. <laughs> there we go. It, but it has that, that kind of, that kind of you know, metallic-y rock flavor going on. But I dig that. And I think it gives it the same vibe alcohol does, that bite that we're looking for without all the, um, you know, the take my shirt off, run around in my front yard aspect that alcohol gives you. It, it doesn't give you that. So you can do this all night. And at worst, you're what? Going to the bathroom 15 times? 
but you're sleeping like a baby and you've got all the vitamins oh, yeah. you need. Yeah. Well, maybe some diabetes too, because there is a lot of sugar in this. That is super, super good. Um, again, uh, the brand I used, um, the Amalfi Spritz Liars, um, is the brand. That's the, uh, that's the, that's the, I guess, champagne that I utilized. Um, and I found that at Total Wine. Everything else mm-hmm. I had to make on t- on this on this episode, I had to either make or order. So if, if you heard something that you can't find, I had no trouble either making it or finding it online. Again, you can hit my myself or um, you know hunt Ian down and find him if you want to to get these ingredients. But it was so easy to find this stuff. It wasn't like it was you weren't asking me to put a cocktail together with like you know some hidden you know forbidden fruit. And I wasn't I didn't Indiana Jones myself up with a machete and you know I wasn't cutting through some rainforest to find this stuff. It was very very easy. I haven't heard of some of it. But it was easy to find. So you can make a delicious, awesome cocktail without alcohol or breaking the bank or killing yourself trying to find an ingredient you've never heard of. Um, this is my favorite, dude. Absolutely. This is freaking delicious. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, the, uh, the, the world and the availability of non-alcoholic spirits and even uh, syrups that um, – are available out in the market for people that don't have the time or want to uh, hack a uh, mocktail or low proof cocktail um, in a quick manner are uh, rapidly evolving growing just last night Desi worked like a 200 person wedding and they flew a uh, bartender named Brian out from Salt Lake City Utah and um, he actually, in the past year or so, has been um, working on his own line of cocktail syrups. Look at that. So she was making um, margaritas last night with his prickly pear. This one's a pineapple ginger that uh, we had talked about using maybe instead of the um, um, homemade pineapple syrup today. He's super proud of this watermelon basil um hashtag not sponsored but uh happy to have new industry friends yeah now where where can we give him a shout out where can we find him or what's the brand name there the brand name is your favorite bartender um it's based in salt lake city utah i'm not sure what his current distribution uh status is uh Desi says available on the west coast so mm. through washington uh, Oregon, California, and then um, Utah, Nevada, and then moving east soon. Um, but like an, another brand is uh, Small Hands, makes mm. some really fantastic syrups and is uh, owned by an OG of the cocktail industry. Um, and there's so many cool options out in the market that. Um, you know, these are great for not just uh, mocktails, but uh, mid-proof cocktails. That was one thing that my most recent restaurant, the last cocktail I designed before um, parting ways with them, was a mid-proof uh, whiskey sour made with uh, scotch and acidifi- acidified pear that uh, was meant to be a whiskey sour that you could order at lunchtime, you know, out on the business table. Oh, like a mild... Yeah... I love exactly because I'm always thinking at lunchtime I should be drinking right now. 
And my wife goes, that's <laughs> stupid. I'm like, oh, it's Monday, but now we have a reason. So what do you just proof it down? Absolutely. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Ian, my yeah. friend, this is uh, this has been amazing. Um, I, I hope the listeners see that there is an opportunity to do yeah. some cool stuff. And just to let you know, if you want to really, you know, maybe you're having a spicy night and you don't want to mocktail it, you want to cocktail it. I would say you can add a booze to any of these drinks we've made. I know that defeats the oh, purpose. Absolutely. Everybody's shaking their head at me like Bobby or me missing the point. But these would be great real cocktails, but they stand alone on their own as uh, mocktails, and they're incredible. If you're not drinking, you know somebody that doesn't drink. Um, I have somebody, my nephew's in the room right now. He's old enough to drink. He just can't drink, um, and uh, he's better than all of us. But uh, he's tasting them. So, I mean, this is the first time he's sat in on an interview um, that I've done in the studio because, you know, he's not a drinking guy. But now here he is. So you can invite new people over that don't drink. Your grandmother, your priest, the lady that delivered yep. your kids, whatever. Your baby. Your baby that you just had can have this probably. I don't know. There might be an age thing there. But everybody can have some of this. And that's that's kind of the point. Um, right. and it's delicious. And that's a great segue into, you know, what I want to uh, – would consider like one of my final points is um, that, you know, whether it's a bartender who has um, gone down a little bit of a dark path with alcohol, whether it's somebody who is having to not drink anymore for health reasons, whether it's someone who wants to do a dry January or a sober tober. One of the biggest things that, um, or if we're pregnant, uh, one of the biggest things that, um, you know, those people kind of, uh, combat against is the stigma that comes with, uh, not drinking and the, uh, mixing of cultures with, uh, drinking culture and not drinking culture. Um, a lot of times when people say, you know, Oh, I'm taking a month off. The first thing that involuntarily happens is people react. They, um, have facial expressions that, you know, kind of convey what they're thinking. Um, and it was interesting. just kind of reading some articles about this before the interview today. Um, the, the little things that we can do to kind of, um, be more encompassing and more accepting of when we have a friend is like, you know what, I'm on the wagon, be it for good or for now, you know, cool, sweet, join me. Um, because one of my favorite sayings is that it's not about what you cheers with. It's about who you cheers with. Oh, so. my God. Cheers to that gold. And I would cheers with you any day. Yes, sir. Um, these thank are you, great. Bobby. Yeah, no, thank absolutely. With the, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, this has been great. I, 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 nothing else needs to be said. You hit the nail on the head. That's the point we're trying to make. Take care of the people in your life that maybe can't consume or for whatever reason and give them another option. Be be a good host and a good friend and just have something in the glass. That's all. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. Ian, Ian, where can where can my listeners find you, follow you, stalk you, you know, I am stand outside on, your bedroom uh, and sketch you, whatever, whatever they want to do? I mean, that one comes with a price. Okay. I have a fair. Question, fair. There's a, a half hourly rate. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My TikTok and my Instagram are at Armored Barkeep, A-R-M-E-R-D-B-A-R-K-E-E-P. 
And uh, if you have any questions about the bartending world, the mocktail world, or drinking culture in general, feel free to reach out, and uh, we're all here for a good time. Love that. Chasers, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all about the chase, but it's also sometimes just about what's in the glass. Ian said it best, and drink well and drink with friends. Ian, man, thank you so much. You've been a you've been a blast. These are great. I'm leaving an episode sober, which seems interesting in itself, but I had a great time as if, you know, I was kicking back a couple of drams of whiskey. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of all of this, and I love what you guys are doing. Can't wait to see you when we come back out there, you and Desi. If you haven't listened to the Desi episode yet, you should. There's booze in that one. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hopefully people follow and can find some, uh, can find some new, you know, cocktails, ideas, and everything else. Find, find, find bartenders and uh, follow them because you can learn some cool stuff. They're like, you're like the new chefs of the world of, uh, of beverage. I mean, there's some cool stuff going on out there. It's not just about Coke and whiskey anymore. Um, that's Coca-Cola, by the way. I don't know if the other things still happen. I, I was wondering. Yeah, is that still cool? <laughs> I don't know if that's cool or not. Ian, thank you so much, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Dana. We'll see you guys here when you come down shortly. Awesome. All right, Chasers, that wraps up this week's episode. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you can find us anywhere that you stream your favorite podcasts. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Cast Chasers. You can always reach us and find out what we're up to on our website, castchasers.org. And while you're there, be sure to pick up some swanky Cast Chasers swag for yourself and for your whiskey-loving cohort. Until next week, Chasers, remember, it's not about finding the perfect ram. It's all in the chase. Thank <laughs> you.